0: Jesus is real. There's
1: power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We believe Jesus is real.
0: We live in a day and age where the body of Christ thinks picking up arms and fighting is God's way, and I'm here to tell you, it ain't. It's not. If you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. God's plan for the fighting of the people of God, it's a spiritual battle, and we hit our knees in prayer. And then God says, now listen, I want you to love people right where they are. And you're not going to agree with everyone, but you don't need to pick up arms and fight against them and lash
1: against them. You don't have to look far to see people taking sides, arguing with one another about issue after issue. But as Pastor Daniel shares today, this isn't God's way. You see, followers of Jesus need to remember that the battle you fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And you get into this spiritual battle on your knees in prayer. Meekness, which is strength under control, is one of the surprising ways that you'll find the crazy, happy life God wants for you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter five as he continues with his message, Unpacking Crazy Happy. Jesus said,
0: Sadness is a part of God's plan for our happiness. Now, you might say, well, Fusco, how is that possible? Well, first off, because it begins with that the happy person is the humble person, the first thing that makes us sad is our own fallenness. We look at our own garbage and the the catastrophe that our garbage creates, and that should break our hearts. And then we look at the world in which we live in, and everybody is broken in their own way except for Jesus. And everyone makes mistakes and you have carnage everywhere because everybody is a sinner and everyone's making messes everywhere that they are. And so you look at the brokenness of our world and that breaks our hearts and that moves us to a a grieving. And that grieving is part of God's plan. Why? Well, let me quote to you the book of Psalms, chapter 30, verses four and five. It says, Sing praise to the Lord, you his saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, what we learn here is that God as the ultimate Redeemer leverages the things that break our hearts and then he brings us comfort in the midst of them. Remember, oh, how happy! Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, the crazy happy life is not a life where we're always smiling, there is time for grieving, there is time for weeping. God, wants us to be able to weep with those who weep. But we don't weep as those who have no hope. The shortest verse in your Bible, the Gospel of John, right? It said Jesus did what? Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Because Lazarus has died. But don't, if you remember the story in John chapter 10, Jesus knew Lazarus was gonna die and he waited so that he would die. And then when he gets there, he knows he's gonna raise him from the dead, but he sees Mary and Martha and all the people grieving and he weeps with them. And then he raises him from the dead. See, God's plan for your happiness is not divorced from sadness. And here's why. Because we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? The reason we grieve is because we love. Like just recently, my beloved bride You know, my father-in-law went home to be with the Lord. And we wept because we love Lynn's dad. And we are going to miss him. But if we don't weep at his passing, like, do we love him? Like, your love causes sadness. Anyone who's got a child, right, you know what it's like. Like, like, my Obadiah just got his learner's permit, stay off the roads. Because I'm getting to teach him how to drive, which is like a double whammy. Because <laughs> you guys know I drive so good, you know? But like, I know like at the time when he actually gets like the real deal license, that's gonna be a horror, like I'm gonna be shedding some tears. And I'm gonna stay off the roads definitely at that point. You know what I mean? But it's like, you realize that like when you love, it will bring you to tears. And God doesn't want a happy life is not a life divorced of love. But what we always have to remember in our grieving, in our mourning for our own sinfulness and the sinfulness of the world, and because we love, because of that, God meets us in our grieving and he brings comfort to us. And that's God's point. Though the sorrow may last for the night, with the morning comes new mercies and comes joy and what the Bible teaches to complete the, the string in Second Corinthians chapter 1 that we comfort others with the comfort that we've received. So what God does is when we grieve, God meets us by his spirit, the comforter, and he comforts us and then as he builds us up, then he releases us into the work of his kingdom to help other people who are going through things that we've gone through and we can be compassionate with them and then because we're more blessed to give than receive, the happy person is not the person who Guess what the person who gives? Now you give, and now as you're giving of what God has given you, now people are getting built up and you get joy in the midst of it. And you look back on the things that went on and you say to yourself, God, even though I didn't like that, thank you for what you've birthed in my life because of that. Because I have a a background in drugs and alcohol, I'll never meet someone struggling with drugs and alcohol who I would judge because I've been there. Because I lost my mom at a young age, When I see someone grieving over the loss of a loved one, I'll never look down on them because I've been there. Now, there's a lot of things that I've never experienced that I don't understand like some people do. But I realize that in the totality of the body of Christ, as God meets us in the brokenness of the world and he comforts us, then he releases all of us as the people of God into all these areas and there is somebody who believes in Jesus who walks in that journey. That's exactly what God wants. So don't ever think that happiness is devoid of grieving. No. Happiness, God incorporates it into the journey because he brings comfort to us so that he could use us. Now, from there, look at verse 5, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Nobody ever said, oh, how happy is the meek person. Has anybody ever read that anywhere else? The only place you find is Jesus. I always like to say it this way, my friends, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is what happens when somebody realizes that they're spiritually impoverished, outside of Jesus, they have nothing really eternal going for them, and then it breaks their hearts so they grieve, and now all of a sudden, they're the kind of person who moves to the world in a spirit of meekness. It's amazing. When I remember when I first read the Bible, I'd only ever heard the word meekness one time before, and that was from that kind of uh, vulgar American theologian, Frank Zappa, who had a song called The Meek Shall Inherit Nothing, which was, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was like uh, he was trying to tell Jesus how it is. Now, as much as I think Frank Zappa is a phenomenal composer and guitar player, not saying anything for his lyrics that, if you've never heard him, don't Google it, But the thing is, is Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek get the land. Why? Because the meek is the person who is strong but has that strength under control. Somebody who now moves through the world differently from other people. You know, the meek are not, they're not aggressive. They're not harsh. They're not tyrannical. They're not, let me show you how strong I am. But it's a whole different way to move through the world. And Jesus said, oh how happy are the meek. The meek could be seen as weak because they're not flexing and showing how strong we are. See, This is a big problem I think for us today because our culture, it's amazing if you look at, in the book of James it talks about the wisdom that's from above and the wisdom that is from below. By the time you get into the book of Revelation, it is the way of the dragon versus the way of the Lamb of God. And what you find is our culture in mass, not just Western culture, culture as a whole, the type of power that people broker with is the way of the dragon, it's the way of the earth. Let me show you how strong I am. Let me show you how dominating I am. If you don't think I'm strong, let me show you how strong I am. And the thing is, is The people who inherit the promised land are the people who move the complete opposite. They are strong. They don't need to prove it to you. They are strengthened with might in their inner being, but they never have to show you. And this is absolutely, meekness is absolutely embodied by Jesus himself. Do you remember when Peter tried to protect Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Good old Peter. Pulled out the sword. You know, he was going for Malchus's head, only caught the ear. A little bit off center, you know. Jesus heals Malchus's ear and says, Peter, those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. Don't you think if I needed help, I would ask my father and he'd send legions of angels? Like, I don't need your help, buddy. But he was teaching Peter something. He's like, look, you don't need to pick up arms and, and fight like the world fights. Sure enough, Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate's like, hey, Jesus, are you a king? He's like, I am, but my kingdom's not of this world because if it was of this world, my followers would fight. Now, brothers and sisters, listen, we live in a day and age where the body of Christ thinks picking up arms and fighting is God's way, and I'm here to tell you, it ain't. It's not. If you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. God's plan for the fighting of the people of God it's a spiritual battle and we hit our knees in prayer and then God says now listen I want you to love people right where they are and you're not going to agree with everyone but you don't need to pick up arms and fight against them and lash against them that's the way of the dragon that is the that is the power that's from below not from above on the cross Jesus is going to take himself down from there He submitted to that because it was the Father's will and then he prayed for the people who were doing it to him. It's a whole other way. Oh, how happy are the meek. What would it look like if the people of God said, Lord, will you make me meek like Jesus? Make me meek like the Lamb of God. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the meek person is the person who people can come to and find rest in their presence. My greatest prayer for all of us in this cultural moment is that we would be Oases for people in this world. That our presence, you as an individual, me as an individual, the church as a whole would be a refuge for people come out of this crazy world where people are getting hit from every side and they can come into the people of God and be received, to be nurtured, to be cared for, to be built up again. Oh, how I desire the people of God to be known for our meekness, which isn't weakness. It's not that we can't fight. It's not that we're not strong, we just don't want to because we have a bigger goal in mind. The happy person is the meek person. And then finally, at least for today, Matthew chapter five, verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. And I love this. What this teaches us is that God wants to fulfill your truest hunger. Like our, we all desire things. It's amazing, you know, um, you know, a lot of people when they talk about uh, happiness, they talk about Buddha, you know, and there's all the, the the pictures of Buddha and he's really got a big smile, he's super happy and, and 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 if you before I came to Jesus, I spent a lot of time studying everything else. And, and I remember reading about, you know, really what they say is that suffering is real, the Four Noble Truths, you know, there is suffering, and then our suffering is rooted in our desires, right? And so really the goal in Buddhism is to, is to divorce you from desire. And then when I started reading the teachings of the Bible, I started realizing like, oh, the problem isn't desire, the problem is the object of desire. God doesn't want us to be desireless. What, what God is saying is that ultimately the only desire that will fulfill you is Jesus himself. So the idea of happiness is found when you have no wants, that's not true. You have very legitimate wants, like you should want food because you need it to survive. You should want oxygen, you need that to survive. Like, you know, being healthy, these things are not bad. But the only thing that will truly satisfy us is when we hunger and thirst for, what does it say? For righteousness. And when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, the only place you end up landing is by believing in Jesus. Because only Jesus is righteous. Only he always did those things that pleased the Father. And when you hunger and thirst for what is right in every single way, whether it's ethically, morally, spiritually, only Jesus. And when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, now all of a sudden there is satisfaction and fulfillment. It's why that great English theologian Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. why do he say that? Because he tried, and he tried, and he tried, but I can't get, no. You guys know the song, and if you don't, you're young, you'll get there. Someone will will sample it soon. You know, the reason, because when you try everything, and you're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, none of it fulfills, and we've all experienced that, haven't we? We've all experienced, man, I'll be happy when. I want this thing, man, when I get here, when I get to this, when I take this step, it's always the next. But when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. And I love it because in the Psalm, Psalm 42, verses one and two said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? See, the psalmist is embodying this crazy happy way of living where he's saying, my soul is hungry for God thirsty for God like a deer is thirsty so pants my soul after the Lord and I'm here to tell you brothers and sisters all of us are just like that your soul the depths of who you are the way that you have been created and sustained by God you will only find fulfillment when you come to Jesus and for those of us who are here who are already in Jesus listen In Jesus is where your happiness is found. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it with lots of people. It's always, I'll be happy with Jesus plus something. Jesus plus a spouse. Jesus plus kids. Jesus plus career advancement. Jesus plus a little extra money in the bank. Jesus plus I get to teach a Bible study. We have all these different things. It's always Jesus plus something. I'm here to tell you, no, no. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And when we find our fulfillment in Jesus, now we're free not to build our identity on all these other things. God doesn't want you to build your identity on your spouse. Your identity's in Jesus. He doesn't want you to build your identity on your kids, it's in Jesus. He doesn't want you to build your identity on the ministry, it's in Jesus. He doesn't want you to build your identity on some sort of status, it's in Jesus. And when it stays in Jesus then you can enjoy the spouse and the kids, sometimes, and, the jo- and all the different things. Because now all of a sudden you realize that you don't need these things to be right where you need them to be to feel satisfied because you're already satisfied in Jesus. And that's why I say that God loves to fulfill the truest longings of our heart. Here's what I will tell you what I've learned in my life. Everything I've ever pursued to try and find happiness is just points me to some, to Jesus who is really the only fulfillment. Like when you when you try and find your fulfillment in intimacy with another person, really what it is is your soul longing for intimacy with God, and you're willing to take the cheap substitute. When you, Amen. You guys might want to clap for that. You know, when you're trying to find your fulfillment in security, really it's your soul desiring to know that it knows that it knows that you are in Christ and nobody can take you out of His hand. But you're looking for it in something else. Right? like So we fought, our culture teaches us over and over again, you need to get this. And once you have this, you'll have security. And once you have this, you'll be happy. And once you have this, thing, and, and it's like, no. Your happiness is found when you hunger and thirst for righteousness and Jesus fulfills you. And then, sure, you take care of this security. You take care of the relationships. You take care of all these things, but you're not looking to those things to fulfill you. I always call it the curse of following life the way Tom Cruise taught us. Do you remember that whole scene in Jerry Maguire? And when he comes back and he's like, You complete me. No, he, no she doesn't. You don't complete her either. She, you may have had her at hello, but that's not a different story. <laughs> this is something else. Like, Jesus completes you. I'm going to tell you if you try and get your spouse to complete you, you are setting them up for failure and you up for sadness. They're supposed to be your companion, not your completion. When you try and make your companion your completion, it's bad. It's bad. But when you realize that Jesus is your completion, then you can let your companion be a little quirky, a little weird, not always getting everything right like everybody else. When you don't let your job try and complete you and give you happiness, then all of a sudden you realize that God created me and he gave me work as a gift. So I find my fulfillment in Jesus and then I work as an overflow of my relationship with Jesus. See, even like with the politics, everybody's like, man, we want the best elected leaders. Why? Because what you really want is everybody needs a king. But when Jesus is your king, you give up trying to get politicians to fulfill those gaps for you. Because everybody, like, everybody wants righteous leadership. But I'm here to tell you, the only place you'll find righteous leadership is in the king of kings of the Lord of Lord, Jesus of Nazareth the son of man. So it's not that all these things are bad. The problem is when we take something that we want and we accept the earthly version of it rather than embracing the King of Kings rather than embracing Jesus. And so as I bring this message to a close, listen, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, your happiness is found in Jesus and nowhere else. And because it's in Jesus, you stay humble. Because you needed Jesus and you need Jesus as much today as on the day that you get saved. As much as you've grown, there's still so far to go. You know, you're not what you used to be, but you're like, man, I cannot wait to be perfected in heaven. <laughs> yeah. So there's growth to happen. So you stay humble and you let the broken things of your life and of this world break your heart because it's heartbreaking. So you mourn, but you know God's gonna bring comfort. You stay meek. You never wanna show how strong you are. You never wanna tell someone off. I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. None of that, <laughs> Over. Sayonara. You get rid of that stuff. And you say, every time you're longing and hungering for something, you say, is this me seeking to fill a longing with something other than righteousness? And then you put it in its right place. That's where the happiness is found. Now, if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this is what I want to tell you. Jesus wants you to be happy, but you'll only be happy unless you put your faith and trust in him. You need to find yourself in Jesus. This is where happiness is now. Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for what's right, for what is true, for what is the most important, for what is abundant, you will come to know Jesus of Nazareth. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity in just a moment to say yes to Jesus, to put your faith and trust in him. Now, here's what I wanna tell you. If you say yes to Jesus today, are, are you gonna go from being unhappy to happy instantaneously? Maybe. Because it happens for some people. Where it's like, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing bad. And all of a sudden like, man, I am so happy right now. For other people, it's a journey. But what I will tell you, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you build into that relationship and you grow in that identity, ultimately at some point you'd be like, that absolutely was the game changer. Because for 2,000 years of the people of God, people in every different circumstance has found their joy and their happiness in Jesus.
1: Everyone wants to live their best life to be happy and fulfilled, but as you may have already realized, the things you thought would get you there just don't work, at least not for very long. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that true happiness can only be found in Jesus. He pointed out that people often want to make it Jesus plus something else, but that doesn't work. The happiness you want can only be found in Jesus and him alone. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're
0: not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVE to 51400, V
1: E D to 51400 my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Come back next time as Pastor Daniel continues to unearth what the Bible tells us about happiness and how to have it. This culture is constantly bombarding you with messages that make you believe that happiness comes from the material world. But as you'll discover, true happiness isn't found on the outside. It's based on who Jesus is and who you are in him. You'll see this even more clearly as we continue to unpack the Beatitudes. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.